There's a bear in the corner, a container, looks like oatmeal, a massive tub full of this, looks like milk. Those white swim trunks. <laughs> but it looks relaxing, you know? They got the candles lit, it's warm, there's fur everywhere. It looks like Michelle and I are in for a day. That's weird. <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Harrison. And welcome to the Bachelor Podcast, Except These Bros, where four bros discuss episodes of The Bachelor and Bachelorette TV series. My name is Ben Kendrick, and I am joined by my friends, Andrew Dice. Hello. Brian Dice. What's going on? And Mr. Alex Smith. What's up, guys? We'll review the fantasy dates, discuss our favorite moments, and find out who scored the most points this week in our Bachelor Fantasy Draft. Spoiler alert, it's not me, because I've been eliminated. Dice, <laughs> this week, we'll be discussing week 10 of Matt's journey to find love on The Bachelor. This week, Matt narrows it down to its final two, but neither he, nor the women, nor the producers of this show have any idea what they're doing here. Nor Matt's dad, right? Nor Matt's dad, <laughs> correct. Um, all right, so this this episode can be broken into basically four pieces. So there's the Matt's dad, Michelle's date, Bree's date, and Rachel. Um, and before we start, Chris Harrison is, talks to the women just briefly about you know, you've made it this far and it's pretty crazy to think. This is uh, this is really amazing and wild. The fact that we started with 38. When he said that out loud, I like it, it all clicked into place to me why we don't feel like any of these relationships feel all that deep or all that like, like nuanced is I like, this is the last time I want to see this many people on a season because all it was was just a huge distraction from allowing like some relationships to really form and us to get to know these contestants because I am as unemotionally invested in this group of people as I think I've ever been on this show. And I actually like, you know, Michelle a lot. I like Brie a lot. Um, oh, do you? Because you haven't said it at all through the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I like I... I wanted to like the or like know yeah. more about these relationships. And it's like when you think there's 38 women, it's so many, it's almost twice yeah. as many as the show used to start with. Cause it used to be yeah. like 22 or something like that. Right. And then it kind of worked its way up. But well, and to your point, there's only so much time to go around. So we end up going to this episode where Chris Harrison says, this is serious. You know, we're getting into final two. Now is the time to have those conversations. What does your life look like? Where do we live? What do you believe in? What, you know, kids, well, all this stuff. You guys haven't, you, <laughs> uh, you already just showed me two girls saying they'd say yes if he got down on one knee right now. And all right, but before you do that, you should probably figure out like, what do each of you stand for? What's yeah. important? Where did you go to school? What are your hopes in life? <laughs> do you want kids? Yeah. yeah, I mean, granted, Matt isn't, He's not like it's it's it, he aggravates the situation by being him. Hey, but he's, the sheer he's number met, of women. He's 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 got to know the women in the way he wants to know them, <laughs> or at least the last three, I guess. If that's exactly. Well, days. I mean, I think he was taking cues from Tasia season season because uh, she only found out that uh, she had a different set of beliefs than um, oh, yeah, right. What's his name? Ivan. Ivan. Yeah. I wanted to say Ivan. Ivan. Yeah, Ivan. <laughs> at the at the uh, um, the overnight. So yeah, I guess it, that's, it's that's just true. according to Chris's timeline, the right time to do that. I get like <laughs> I actually made a note later in the thing or in the in the dinner with Bree about the same point. So I'm just gonna jump there really quick. And I, I had made this note that it's just like his relationship seems so incredibly shallow still. And this is a bit what you guys are, are talking about, but he says about his time with her, I have these things I want to talk to Brie about. And I'm and he lists some things and I'm sitting there going like, why have you not talked about this stuff yet? Like you had yeah. a one on one with this person you had like, what were you guys doing the entire time? Like, I, I genuinely do not understand how so many of the women know so little about him and he knows so little about them by the end of this whole thing. But 
Yeah, I can't. I can't remember who it was that he was talking to, but he was speaking with them, and he started. He started talking about. I can't even remember what it was because it was such a. I mean, he speaks in kind of like platitudes and right, like cliched stuff. But I was sitting there thinking, I've heard you say this exact thing to this exact person, where you're just repeating the conversation until. <laughs> And I don't until it's like check off the box and then, okay, now we'll do, I don't know what, I guess they're not talking. So I mean, I guess I do know what then. These three dates is exactly what you said. He says the same thing to all three of these. Yeah. In hindsight, like we know why they had the thing happen with his dad. It was so he had something to talk about with all three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so so awkward. It's so awkward. You also skipped because wait, did that happen before the fantasy dates? Yeah. What the dad? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, we're going to talk about the dads. Okay. For sure. All right. I, you, you skipped past when you said Chris Harrison came in. I thought we we're going to talk about the weirdest words that I've ever heard come out of his mouth. Here is the first fantasy date card, which was like, <laughs> what, what has, when, what are you doing here, Chris? Like, <laughs> Is he just demanding to be put into the edit as much yeah. as possible now yeah. in his last run here? <laughs> yeah, it's very. Uh, yeah, the the fact that he has that say, it's funny because in each of the dates he talks about how he's going to open up. He's like, I'm ready to open up, and then he just tells that same story about the conversation that he had with the dead. And I, I was yep. listening to our previous podcast the other day about how Matt has basically said the same thing to everybody, which is why everybody is so confused when they're kicked off the show. And this this episode just punctuated that even further again um, as it as it goes. But yeah, let's get into it. So Matt's dad, we we kind of we got a tease of this, you know, um, in the last episode that Matt's dad was going to be there. Um, and the conversation is like, I guess we're supposed to feel like there was a real breakthrough here because his dad apologizes and Matt forgives him. And Matt sort of walks away from it saying, you know, that he got what he needed from that conversation. But Maybe there's portions of that conversation we didn't see, but I didn't feel like that was a particularly like like there was a real breakthrough there. It was just kind of like his dad sort of capitulated by apologizing. But I like I also I also kind of was sitting here watching this saying like this is not a healthy way to address your demons. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. we've talked in the past about, you know, the, the day with Claire where, you know, People were having to open up and and stuff like that, but but this is like seems really deep seated for him, and I don't know if he's had counseling previous to this or not. But this is the kind of thing that two people should sit down with someone who's qualified to navigate yeah. this and like actually get somewhere, not just bring this guy in on the f- sort of false pretense that. He's there to, you know, to probably meet the women in the next episode and also to, like, quote, celebrate him. Um, And you can tell where this is headed from the second he shows up because he's in kind of like a jovial mood and he's talking about how proud he is and you're doing good for yourself. And and then Matt, like, wants to have this entirely different conversation and struggles desperately to really, like, direct the conversation to where it actually is that useful to him and where it kind of lands I, I mean, I, I think it's sincere, but it, it's not particularly profound. Like, I don't know what changes necessarily after this conversation. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off base. Is, I don't know how no, you guys no. felt about this. In watching this, if I felt I was reminded of my proposal when I was proposing to my now fiance, where I was super nervous. I had something very important that I needed to talk to her about. And we're at a restaurant. And as I'm trying to find the words, all she's concerned about is the appetizers and like, what are we going to have for the main course? And are we going to have sake or wine? (laughs) And I'm really trying to like pull her to like where I'm, where I'm at. And this felt like that. Cause like you said, like the dad is like, he comes in and and I'm expecting some mean kind of gruff dude, but no, he's like, I find myself liking him. And then like, and I'm sure they probably edit some of it out, but like Matt changes the subject very abruptly and just go, goes into the uh the the demon like let's confront our demons on <laughs> national tv when you know i don't know how often they see each other it's apparently not that often but it was it was hard to watch it was hard to watch it seems like they made it seems like there was progress made in the relationship between the two of them and i think that matt needed to have this conversation with his dad and say the things that he said in order to get closure from the past and in order to go uh, forward with a possible engagement 
But when he passes this conversation on to the other girls, the thing that he takes from it to tell them is that he doesn't want to be like his dad. But like he said that from the very beginning of the show. So I thought going out of the conversation, he had this like epiphany and this like really strong moment that made him look at his, the way that he approaches relationships um, completely different, but he didn't. Yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. He had to spend this time with his dad to like realize that he's not like his dad, which just seemed (laughs) strange to like this is this was one of the hardest things I've ever this is one of the worst things I've ever watched. This entire thing as it was happening when when you realized that um at best it was unhealthy. Yeah. And and like um arguably unnecessary given what Matt took from it. At worst, it was kind of disgusting. The, his dad said one of the first things he said was I don't want you to make that same mistake. We've never had this conversation before. If you came to me in the past, I would have had this conversation with you. If you wanted to talk to me. Yeah, but the, I mean, I wouldn't talk to you. Yeah, but that's uh, that's what that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, not on television, uh, like in front of cameras. And then his dad, like, when th- there are things coming up where, like, this is when they shifted from the dad sitting there stunned because, yeah, it it was not. However, Matt characterized it as he said he went down the list of the worst things that his father had did to his mother. And then his father was clearly like a good enough person to just sit there silently. Yeah. And be like, what am I, you know, not get up and storm out or, or, or do something like that. That would imply like it hasn't been resolved, but then they like do cutaways to Matt, like just dragging this guy through like, and then he said, I don't, I don't hold any grudges. And it was like, Oh man. Okay. (laughs) Cause all right. Um, but, but it was just, the, the weirdest thing, and it goes to my my deteriorating opinion of Matt. I, I appreciate that people – I have not had to go through the kind of stuff with my parents that Matt has. Yeah. So I appreciate that this is there. Um, Bree, you know, on the other hand, gave one of the most intellectually and emotionally mature <laughs> readings of a similar situation ever. But the thing that I can't process with Matt is – and it's how he characterizes this to women – is here are the things – I am suffering in my life because of what I saw from my father. Yeah. So feel bad for me. Mm-hmm. But I also know I am not going to be my father despite all of that. Now, be it, admire me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But but you're not moving through it. Like, like you said, I'm not going to be my father. Okay. That's kind of, to your point, Ben, speak with a therapist. That's, that's a part that you're not supposed to slide back past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. he's arguing two different things. And he even, you know, I, th- I can't remember who it was he was describing it to, but he said, I wanted my father here to tell him that despite everything he'd done, mm-hmm. here I am. And that's like, I, I don't even know what you're, then that are you are you worried that you are going to be your dad? No, because you know you're not. Okay, uh, Matt. What it, they felt like each Matt and his dad needed to go see a therapist separately and then have a mediator mediate this because it was totally. the way Matt set it up was like I need you to talk about how bad you were so that I cannot be you. And it was like this is not a one to one. I don't know the A to B to C here that you're going for. Unfortunately, only one of the women replied with exactly what he wanted to hear. And that's probably why he's going to pick her. (laughs) (laughs) He, he, he kind of came out during the, during the airing of the episode and made comments about the conversation. And he said that while it was hard to experience, it's just as hard for me to watch. Um, I hope all, all I hope is that people watch the conversation with nuance, care, and also an understanding that there's real system systemic issues at play. I'm so proud of myself for being vulnerable and I'm proud of my mother. I wouldn't be who I am without my dad. That's a fact. So the reasoning for him personally was there. It was just like not the time or the place to do it. Yeah, that's it's and weird. It's, but it's yeah. weird that he like with the I don't want to say demons, but with the things that he's wrestling with coming into this whole season, it's weird for him to come on and do this. Like <laughs> he says he's ready to get married and he doesn't want to um doesn't want to fall into a, a situation that would be similar to his father's, but like is that just mean like leaving his his partner? Yeah, in the that, way that, that was where it fell apart. That was where it was hard, and I didn't think that he quite had Vocal. gotten to that point yet because yeah. it was a matter of 
I am, when I get serious, I run. Okay. Yeah. Is that because you are afraid you're going to repeat what your father did? Right. No, I am not right. the man he was. Okay. Exactly. So what, and then when he actually called his dad there, it did seem like, it didn't seem like to your point, Ben, it, it felt like they covered a lot of ground they had already covered. Like it seemed like a, a form of this or, or whatever they were talking about had been, uh, I mean, it didn't seem like his father was in denial. And then on top of that, I mean, my wife works with people, you know, who have, have been, have dealt with abuse and all of that. And it wasn't matter when, when Matt said, you weren't a father to me. And his dad said, my father died when I was five. It was kind of like, oh, actually we should hit pause. Cause that is a, a heck of a context here mm-hmm. to like, <laughs> that is, I think shedding more insight here on the entire thing than Matt seemed to give yeah. it because like, oh, my dad doesn't know he didn't have a dad he doesn't know what it's like to have a dad so i don't know what it's like to have a dad Mm -hmm. so now i don't know how i'm going to be as a dad i feel like that would make sense but that made way more sense than anything matt said yeah (laughs) i think think yeah i i walked away from it kind of saying like we're led to believe that this guy is the villain of the story exactly that she by the way the whole thing was set up initially and all the times matt has talked about it and i'm not i'm not defending his actions right i mean he cheated on his wife he didn't yeah, he, he did clearly, exactly. Like he clearly did some like, you know, bad things or whatever. But at the end of the day, like the fact that in that conversation, I'm like feeling bad for the dad because Matt yeah. can't can't articulate what he needs to articulate other than exactly. to just sort of, like other than to just sort of make his dad feel bad for it, which isn't really what therapy is about. It's about <laughs> no. being able to say what you need to say, you know, and hopefully reach some kind of mutual understanding. And maybe they did. I mean, maybe they did. We maybe just didn't see it. Really, yeah. Yeah, maybe the dad really had some kind of breakthrough there, but it wasn't necessarily because Matt approached it the right way. It's because Matt would have made him feel so bad that he came to that realization. But that's not a healthy thing then. It's like they both still need counseling after this. Oh, totally. Either way. But but I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of a nasty thing to do to somebody. Yes. Yeah. To me, this, this felt like production was like, hey, Matt, we have your dad. We need we need you to address some of the stuff that you, you know, could have dealt with in the past. What do you think that is? And he's like, oh, well, I think, you know, my dad cheated on my mom. Okay, good. Latch on to that. Right? Like, it, it felt like he got, like, all this training or guidance on how to approach the conversation from clearly untrained people on production just to get, you know, the, the highlight reels that they need. And then that was it. And this is what we're left with. Yeah. 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 His dad also said, like, when he said, I'm not you, his dad was like, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You won't make the same mistakes that I did. Yeah. You're a good man. Yeah. I I felt I, I so, I don't have a lot of emotion watching these shows and I don't have a lot of compassion for Matt and the decisions that he's made. But when he was talking about his dad, like just showing up for the sneakers and dropping off pizza and pies and like, man, like, that was a that was that was a scene, and it wasn't even with his dad, which was the hardest part. It was just with the camera, like yeah. that. cutting back to his dad. Oh, yeah, man. isn't this guy awful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, I was like, oh, was weird. Come, come on! Like it was an emotional moment that was kind of like it just was predatory by the show to set it up this way. Could you could you imagine though if uh, in the contrary, like the show had been like, look, Matt, your dad's here. We have, you know, I don't want to say like Dr. Phil, because Dr. Phil comes with his own, you know, kind of like stigma and baggage and stuff. But like, you know, we have, you know, this counselor here. We, you know, and like if Matt had been seeing the counselor like the entire time he was on the show or something, and this was culminated in, you know, and that was revealed in this episode that Matt has been in counseling the last like 18 weeks while he's been on the show and preparing for the show. And now this counselor is going to help facilitate this healing conversation conversation with his dad like that would have been such a better example for the show to sit to talk about like you know childhood trauma and like the way our parents affect us and the importance of counseling and talking like it's just well or or if we had seen any of what matt is talking about for himself like he seemed uh, him saying well i have a hard time i have fears and i have doubts like okay i had no idea like you're telling yeah. me that you do. This is offering no insight into who you actually are, like what we're witnessing, because um, <laughs> if that is the reason why you can't open up at all, like 
in terms of like hold a conversation with a woman, then that would be an interesting context. But then I feel like bringing your dad here is, is maybe deflecting to, yeah. to something that isn't the issue. For yeah, sure. If you're, if you're like, I've said it 10 times a season, if you're 28 years old and you haven't had a strong, like a relationship with a female where you felt like there was love involved and you run, a, you, you admittedly run away from relationships before they get serious or when there's issues, you are way more like your father than you ever think yeah, you than are. Yeah, you want to be, yeah. Right? You're just for different reasons, you're, exactly. you're doing the same. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we should get to the dates. But I, you know, I do commend them on having this conversation. I uh, I think it probably was a productive conversation to have. I don't want right. to undermine that. But no, no. I think as someone who has had counseling in the past and has, you know, had losses and stuff that I needed to work through, like I would hope that people wouldn't wait and use this kind of forum, you know, like blindside the person you need yeah. to have a conversation with, like intervention. I, yeah. yeah. There are, you know, there are healthier ways of setting yourself up for success there. That's all I'm saying. Um, and the show should have known better. Still kick your ass in soccer. I don't think so. <laughs> to the beast. So Michelle is up first in her date. I kind of want to talk about, you know, with each of these dates, there's not a lot that happens in the dates again that we get to see much of. So I think, the best thing to do is kind of maybe go through these and talk a little bit about where they're sort of where each of these relationships are at and just kind of what you thought of this last sort of interaction between them before they're going into the final two. So, um, you know, Michelle has obviously been a favorite of the podcast and and sort of feels like the woman he should pick. And a lot of the interactions that he has with her here are are positive. Like, I do believe that they know each other maybe the best out of in a lot of ways out of the couples. And, you know, she's saying she has handled the stress of of the show and kind of the process better than most people. So a lot of Mm -hmm. the interactions here, you know, she says the right things, you know, that she's by she's reaffirming to him towards the end of the date after the fantasy um, after the, you know, the fantasy date that she, um, fantasy suite that she is, is happy with where their relationship is at, um, you know, and that like where they're headed and, and stuff like that. And like, just in general, like this felt very easy again. Um, you know, she's ready to kind of take it a little bit further. He acknowledges that she's just such a solid person and would make an incredible wife. So I'm curious kind of what you guys thought of all this. I mean, you know, it's fun watching them, you know, rub each other down with butter and sit in a milk bath and stuff. But the real meat of it for me is kind of we're in this final stage. Like, what do you guys think of this relationship and and this date and this final interaction? Yeah, for me, it felt like the next natural step that they should be in. Like nothing yeah. of this felt forced on either his end or her end, where I mean, if I compare it to like his date with Brie, like that did not feel like it was in the right home. Um, yeah. Like you said, like they're fun together. There's like that natural chemistry that they're actually showing us. Um, and we feel like we know who they are together. Compared to yeah. Brie, my fiance, when she came on, she's always like, who is this girl again? And we're in the second to last <laughs> week of the show. And she, she has no idea yeah. why Brie is there. And I don't either. But we know, in my opinion, exactly why Michelle is there. Yeah. It's it's unexciting, right? Like it's, it's just, it's like, yeah, I mean, this is, it's been a while, but I remind myself, this is what the final two or three normally looks like. Yeah. Like people who are having legitimate relationships, they have a connection. They seem to be happy. Um, the, the conversations they're having is a bit thinner, you know, than usual, but nothing, I, I'm still reeling from the fact that like when they said, when he said a Pennsylvania Dutch spa, I thought he was misspeaking. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to like throw butter at each other and like, (laughs) (laughs) and that actually was where it went. So if he he doesn't end up picking her, you can blame this date for like, for just being like the least romantic (laughs) thing imaginable that they could have possibly, possibly been doing. Yeah, yeah, Liz was I, like I, the, the um, most visible connection. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, Liz was like, "Oh yeah, this." I looked at her because she works in a spa. I'm like, "Oh yeah, the milk, the milk bath is a thing, and the oatmeal is a thing." But like rubbing down with a butter, Liz is like, "Yeah, butter? What the hell?" That's is a Seinfeld. This? Yeah. That's a Seinfeld <laughs> episode. 
And then yeah. later when he's cooking with, I can't remember in the morning he's cooking breakfast and he's like, you can never have too much butter. I was like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. come on. The one thing that he does say to her is he says that he was most comfortable with her family, which she takes as a compliment. But as the audience having watched the other three dates, like that makes a lot of sense because Rachel's dad really doesn't want them to be together. Right. He doesn't trust the process. Serena P's parents basically convinced her to leave the show. And then Bree's mom is the one that grilled him over, you know, the fact that she had like, well, I guess not given up her job. Like she may not know that, but, you know, just that she she kind of didn't necessarily trust the process either and wanted him to be more revealing about how he's feeling Mm -hmm. uh, towards her daughter. So like, I felt like that was a sincere thing. He probably did enjoy meeting her family the most, but there's kind of a caveat there that is like, it wasn't a credit necessarily to the relationship that he's building with her, but more (laughs) representative of the like hoops he had to jump through with the other women. Exactly. but uh, she does tell him that she is falling in love with or that she is in love with him. She says, I love you, Matt. He basically reciprocates by thanking her, you know, for saying that. But he does confide that she means a lot to him. Um, but he does not say it back to her. Um, and we kind of leave them with her saying that, um, you know, like an engagement wouldn't scare her. She's scared of losing him. And he says that she keeps showing showing him things that pull him in closer. Um, and he can also see a future with her. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Michelle. I don't know if this you know, kind of looking at this in along with the other two dates, like did this advance their relationship enough for her to be the final one? Like it it didn't, he said he was an 11 out of 10 on the happiness scale the next morning, but um, who wouldn't be after waking up to a beautiful woman you've been fantasizing about for like several weeks, but true. And knowing there's two more after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, do you guys want to move on to Brie or do you guys want to talk about Rachel somewhere? Okay, Michelle. Rachel. Speed us. Or sorry. Br- okay. Oh, hey, you tried to skip over Rachel just like the show did. Wait, no. Rachel's hey. the last one. Rachel was the last yeah. date. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Brie. Okay. So Brie uh, is talking kind of about like that she was worried because she got the last rose and isn't sure if her current, the current state of her relationship with him is enough. Um, you know, basically to progress their relationship to the next round. And this is something we had kind of suggested after the last after the last episode that for all intents and purposes, this was probably Serena P's spot, right? But she gave him no choice but to like let her go home. Um, and he he ended up picking Bree instead. Um but they uh, they go hiking um, and, you know, he makes her think that they're going to be camping in the outdoors. And, and you know, that is proven to be just sort of a joke. Um, and uh, I, the sort of the biggest, I guess, thing about this that I that I want to talk about is they 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 have what I would say is the most meaningful conversation out of the three. And the subject of, Yeah. And the subject <laughs> of her dad comes his dad and her dad comes up the most naturally as a result of sort of this you know, this sort of shared experience that they both have. Um, And she, and if you kind of contrast this to what Rachel says about his relationship with her, his dad, um, I think Bree's point is, is the more sort of interesting one, which is to sort of say that Bree understands where he's coming from in being open to having his dad be part of his life in the future. And, and that sort of the situation with the dad has kind of weighed on him because she feels like she wants her dad in her life as well so that she can show him the person that she has become and also relieve him of the guilt that he has for right. having not been there for her, essentially. Um which I thought yeah, was really... all of which went right over Matt's head. For <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure. I mean, it, it did really show like how the Brie is operating on a different on a different level here in her understanding of her relationship with her dad yeah. um, and her mom. Matt is very protective of his mom and and stuff like that. Whereas Brie kind of looks at the situation and says, like, my dad messed up, but he's still a person I care about and I, I don't want to punish him. I want him to be in my life now and to to show him that I made it, you know, and I did okay. But And Matt's like, I don't want to even contemplate what you're talking about right now because that would then force me 
to deal with feelings <laughs> that I can't deal with. Yeah. <laughs> to realize like, making it so much harder for me to cut you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not like, I don't mean I'm not throwing shade at Matt more than I am applauding Brie for being for sure. 24 years old and having that emotional. I mean, it makes sense with having seen her mom, obviously, but, but it was, you're right. It did throw it into really sharp contrast that she had made peace yeah. and you know, it's, it, it's not a father mother. It's, it's a little different there, but it, it was a case of, Oh, so he is being, I mean, honestly, if he was present, how in the world does he not say like, can I ask you some things then? Cause I'm kind of dealing with a lot right now. And yeah. you are someone who is clearly more emotionally mature than I am and like stable. And you've made peace with a very similar situation. The fact that it never even like it, it, I would not believe for a second that it even crossed his mind to c- ask her for her insight. Yeah. Um, shows like, not necessarily like how invested in this he is, but like the way that he is in this. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we just joked about like, oh yeah, like he didn't want to entertain that conversation because it would make it harder for him to send her home. But I think that does have some truth to it, right? Because it's, it's yeah. possible that he did think that like, oh crap, like I should explore this with this person. But if I do that, sending her home will make even less sense. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah, it's for sure. Like there, it's just interesting because you talk, you know, you look at a situation like this and you say, okay, like his ultimate goal is to find the person who's his person, you know, and is going to be his partner and, and challenge him and help him, you know, make sense of his life and stuff like that. And I'm not necessarily advocating that Brie is the best pick here. I, I think I'm probably team Michelle, but like at the end of the day, it is true that this is kind of what you want in a partner, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah. you would want a person who would sort of like look at you and be able to say, you know, this is my experience with my dad. And I understand that you're hurting and this is how I came to peace with it. And it doesn't really seem like that's the level at which he ends up connecting. He's sort of like, oh, yeah, I mean, we both have problems with our dads. And, t- and she's kind of like, well, yeah, but like, you know, it's good you had that conversation because, you know, I I did some similar things and now I just want my dad to be a part of my life. And, you know, and so I can move forward where Matt is not at that place yet. I'm still I, I still want to tell him that I'm mad at him. Yeah, I yeah. still need him to apologize yeah. for what he yeah. did to me and my mom. Like, And if you look at how he behaved when Serena P went home to how he reacts to Brie when he ultimately doesn't give her the rose. Yeah. The speed at which he slides her into that SUV and gets her out of there and then shows zero emotion. And like the conversation that she has with him about them not working out, he just like, shuts the door, like locks it, throws away the key and goes back to the party. It is the absolute, I had the, I had made a note of that, that it's the, it's not me, it's you. It's just a feeling that you have when you're with somebody. It's like, there's no way he's saying it's me, it's not you. But in reality, like the only way this comes across and he says is like, I can't help where my heart is. It's like, well, you'd still, I can't point to one thing, but still like, I don't like you as much. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I don't think is quite as, you know, honorable as how he thinks he's coming across. No, he did do the thing where she drove off and he like turned on his heels and should have been like whistling as he came back in. (laughs) It's like, you know, anybody who's worked in the service industry, when you're like leaving a table or a customer and you're like quickly moving away and then they like call you for one more thing and you like do a quick 180 and come back. He did that, but like the opposite of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the He's girls are running. calling me back i gotta go sorry yeah oh <laughs> yeah um he does say that the fantasy suite with her or she says was everything she expected and a little bit more hmm. um and she says she confides in him and says that she is really so in love with him um so you know leading into this like she had thought that she had at least crossed some of the distance that she needed to, I think mm-hmm. based on the fact that she felt like she was in third place going into it. Um, and she felt, and Matt acknowledges it by saying that he thought the time was good for the two of them. Like, and he can see a future, you know, with her, which he says about basically everybody. But the the thing that shouldn't be overlooked here is when they first meet and have the stupidest exchange I've ever heard in my entire life. Welcome to the outdoors. You know, I love the outdoors. What's the most amount of time you spend in the woods? 
which I don't even, I mean, I don't, they're not in the woods. Like, I don't even know what she means. She says like this time is like, you're at a hotel. Yeah. But it reminded me of like, you know, the, uh, beyond belief factor fiction. Yeah. You ever go on mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? How superstitious are you? What's the most amount of time you've spent in the woods? and that set the stage i think for it for how the rest of the date went with pitching tents and we got our boner jokes yeah Yeah, we did get a boner we got our boner jokes that was like even they weren't connecting on that like she was making the boner joke and he wasn't at first (laughs) when when she when they started the date i was like oh they're going camping and liz was like yeah camping and i'm like no no remember she was the one that was in the jeep she likes off-roading and then she's like to production i don't know why they think i'm an outdoor person I'm like the least outdoor person here. <laughs> Michelle said they went to a spa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. I feel bad for yeah, her. And but- she's she's got Bachelor in Paradise written all over her, and she will do yeah. extremely well there. She will freaking kill it for sure. Yeah. There's some, there's some smart, like, you know, there's some smart person who has been on, you know, one of these seasons that is going to like be able to appreciate the depth of her sort of understanding of herself and everything at this point. Well, and she um, even said to him in the end when they were like saying their goodbyes and she's like, yeah, you know, like I sacrificed a lot to be here, AKA my career that I like uh, dreamt yeah. about my entire life. Yeah. And he's like, so walk you to your car. Yeah, <laughs> like come on. Yeah, we should I mean, leave the car running. Yeah, we yeah. might as well. We might as well talk about her exit at this point because you know we don't need to sort of yeah. bury the lead or anything. But but the uh, her comments about leaving were also, I thought, equally yeah, equally on a operating on a different level than Matt is accustomed to because she basically just you know she's upset, she's sad, she's and she basically says I'm disappointed and sad, but she's I'm not mad, you know, and like yeah. there's anger there, but it's not anger towards you it's just i have a broken heart and i it did seem he didn't know what to do with that like he'd almost rather have one of the women just like scream at him than be sincere like that because that's when he kind of is just like okay well i don't know how to end this then so let me walk the car as you guys were uh, yeah as you guys were saying but it was it i mean she said i think it was her comment that like opened her it opened the episode where she said i i can't believe how quickly I yeah. can fall in love where it was like, Oh, that's actually what you should take away from this is how quickly and how easy it was for you to totally have feelings for someone. Yeah. Um, and this is probably healthy for you. She's also the one person that like, I, I would trust to, to take the most healthy thing from it. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So Rachel, Rachel is sort of interwoven throughout this entire episode. <laughs> Because she's having kind of an, she's having a very tough time with the fact that Matt, her boyfriend, her boyfriend Matt is off with other, other women having experiences without her. Um, and we talked about this before, you know, if you were, if you were dating Tasia, would you want to be the last person, the first person or like the middle person, you know? And mm-hmm. I felt like Rachel is a person that was best suited to be the last person because she sort of had to endure the week and then she would get to have her time with him. Whereas she was I like I was trying to play out in my mind. OK, well, what if Rachel went first or what if Rachel went second? And it would have been so much worse for her because she would have had that experience with him and then had to watch him have that same experience with the other women. Like, yeah, so this but- is just. But it would be infinitely worse for the show because then we wouldn't get the opportunity to like intercut moments of romance and love with one couple with her just sitting by herself being sad about it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, I mean, we got to remember why we're here, right? You know, this is a show yeah. about love. She says that uh she's she admits that she's in her head and she's worried about how he feels and what he's thinking. Um she she also says she knows that she's in love. Um, because she knows she can't live without him, which made me pause and go like, is that love? Yeah. Because I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, You're really, yeah. Like, she even said in of- the very beginning, she said, like, I know, I know, I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life. Yeah. And that's how, like, I know that I'm in love with them. Like, that, yeah. I mean, I believe that you've never been more sure of it, something, but 
that doesn't really help. Well, her. yeah. I mean, she also said like, this has been the worst week of my life. And like, I believe that too. And <laughs> well, the way up, that she, up until that point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the way she talked about him with the way, and again, all of these three women are going through the exact same thing. Yeah. And she is saying like, it's Romeo and Juliet, but they were like 14. So yeah, yeah. you can appreciate it. But she said it wasn't, um, it wasn't he's everything that I'm looking for or this or that the way they usually said. She said, I've never wanted something like I want him. And that yeah. was like, man, I don't know if the show is editing you into this like spoiled girl like narrative of I want what I get, you know, what I want, I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and but the but at this point to be expressing your feelings as I just want him is like it fits basically mm-hmm. with everything yeah. else that's going on here. It's like, yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Actually, Rachel, you're, you're really good at interpreting your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was, uh, yeah. When she like pushes him onto the bed and is like, I've never wanted anything more, you know, oh my I God. But, thought where it was just kind of like, what are we, you know, what are we also the thing that made her melt down was Michelle and Brie, two of the nicest people that have ever been in the final three, yeah. giving the most restrained yeah. descriptions of what yeah. the dates are. And like, yeah. couching it in, it's really great. You'll get that. So, you know, I'm telling you, it's worth the wait. And yeah. um, it was nice. And she's like, I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Ben, I mean, to your point earlier about like first, second or third on the final three, this Rachel is is clearly so insecure that it wouldn't really matter. Like for, from her perspective, she would have been struggling with this the same amount if she was yeah. first, second, or third. Yeah, for oh. sure. And um, and if you were in this situation and you had people in the same type of group, you one hundred percent go first. And yeah. when you come back from your date, you're like, yo, that was the greatest time I have ever had. He told me <laughs> we were like from start to finish, no sleep. The housekeeping yeah. had to come in, in the middle of the night. Like you have no chance. You're never going to see these girls or guys ever again. Yeah. Right. Like scare her, yeah. rattle her, shake her cage. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, so going into it, he said he couldn't be more excited to see Rachel and but notices because Matt is so perceptive that Rachel has something <laughs> on her heart and, on her mind. and I have never seen like we haven't gotten to talk about the dates much. Uh, I feel like there's only a couple of them we can really talk about. One of them being like, you know, Serena P being in a tantric yoga <laughs> class with him when she is like like it's that level of thing where there's just this massive disconnect between the people on the date and and like him just the image of him trying to shape his pot and then looking over at hers and hers is like yeah i was getting like nom flashbacks from like dating girls when i was like 16 to 21 of of this exact thing yes and what do you do like matt this dude, uh, I'm starting to lose it with him. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. have to say this. You, I think it was around week five where you started to call him out and you're like, no, like I have problems with him. And I, I kind of defended him, but I see the long game that you're getting at. I give it to you. You are correct. I'm fed up with this dude. <laughs> He's sitting across. I mean, this is like a perfect like ghost situation, right? Where they could have like this awesome, <laughs> like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, pottery making scene. Yeah. And his girl is like struggling and i'm like dude like stop what you're doing and like go talk to her and she (laughs) has to like huff and puff until she's red in the face and it's finally like fine yeah if you're not gonna do this i will (laughs) like we need to talk let's talk he's like looking over at her like at her bowl while the like the helper the assistant is like, yeah, you know, these potter, these pots are just like a relationship. You got to start with a nice, strong base. <laughs> just like clays flying left, right, and center. Oh, yeah. It, it was so, so – it was so trans- – I mean, but again, this is one where it might be like his – thank you, Alex, because it's not his maturity. It is his – um, like just flip floppiness because I thought at first, oh, is he not addressing this because it's so immature of her? Like, 
Right. Do you literally want me to say to a grown woman, what's wrong? What's bothering you? Why are you moping? Like, why are you yeah. clearly, you know, uh, like you're, you just didn't get to go to a party that you wanted to go to or something. Like she was doing all of the cues of like, ask me what's wrong. Ask me what's yeah. wrong. Because the point of this date is for you to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, is he holding off? And no, it is just, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. And then the door opened and then he did it. And he, that was what it was. I want you to tell me all of this stuff. You know, I need, I, you got to be open with me because I want you to. That's where it was like, this is, this is not a new conversation. This is the least you could say. I mean, and again, guys, you know how he knows how he feels because when I saw you slam into the ground, I was like, I, I was worried that you weren't okay. Yeah. And I and asked play, myself, play the music. What, like- <laughs> what would my life look like <laughs> without? <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, it's so ridiculous. And she's just like, oh, grinning ear to ear. Like, oh, I guess he does like me. He didn't want me to be dead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I can be- I can build off that. So I made some notes here about the progression of their conversation, um, you know. And she's saying she pulls him aside and says, "Like I picture you as my as my future husband. This is the right. lowest I've ever felt, you know, or this week is the lowest <laughs> I felt." And then she basically says, you know, that she needs him to tell her how he feels, which is like the one thing that yep. the bachelor is not supposed to have to do on the show. And she says. Um, like he explains that the reason that she was last was because he needed her to rest up after her crash, which, which like made me laugh for one thing. But then she, he tells her that she, he is falling in love with her. Um, he's, he's the, she is the only woman that he has told that to. And we, we, he had previously, you know, suggested as much with her. I think she says she's completely in love with him. And then later she says, I really do put walls up and I've never let my guard down like this. Yes, obviously, because he's completely reassured her that like <laughs> she like he's done everything he could possibly do at this point to keep her interested and prove to her that he will bend over backwards to make her feel better. So like of course now she feels comfortable letting her guard down. Yeah. Did she um, have a guard up really though? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I did I did yeah. think it was funny. I made a note like to what you were saying, Alex, about how it's like they could have had their perfect ghost moment, you yeah. know. And like they really they really hit their groove here after he confesses that he, you know, may pick her basically. Yep, terrible. And, and that then they go back in and they just kick the teacher out basically and make out and cover each other in clay all God. over the equipment and stuff. <laughs> like it's just so it's just so over the top at that point. Um Yeah. Like she goes from being totally upset to them just like being completely unhinged. I was offended. I was no. I was shouting like, don't you like after this, don't you try to now sell this as the <laughs> date that Matt clearly wanted it to be, and that's why he picked her for this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, spoiler, in five minutes we knew exactly it was the date he wanted to pick her for when there were fireworks. Yeah. Are that's, you kidding me? Oh my God. What yeah. a ridiculous. It's like just in case we weren't sure about it. Here you go. <laughs> also, and the other two girls were like, what? Yeah. Fireworks? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it was like, I don't, I know that the, the production can't tell how the date is going to go, you know, down to the point of like, Oh, cut the fireworks. This is a really bad date. Like this is not at all <laughs> what we want to frame as true love. But then clearly they had the fantasy points in mind because they gave her the fireworks and then just skipped the morning after thing. Yeah. yeah. Like who yeah. cares? No, no one cares about that. Yeah. The, uh, the one last thing to talk about from this date is the juxtaposition against what Bree had said about her, yeah. uh, his relationship with his dad. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so Bree, we said, you know, lays out this thing about how having a bad relationship with a parent, you know, once you've kind of let that go, you want them in your life because you want, you want them to see you succeed and you want them to be sort of relieved of the guilt and everything. And she says instead, um, her pearl of wisdom is you are the man you are because your dad cheated on your mom and wasn't there for you is basically <laughs> what, what she says. Um, but her whole thing is that, you know, he wouldn't be who he was if it wasn't for that. And I mean, there's truth to that, right? Like we are who we are as a result of the experiences we had. But like, 
you know, Matt could have still grown up to be a great guy without those experiences, you know, yeah. and like those experiences are what are partially preventing him from potentially having the happy ever after with Rachel that she's hoping they're going to have. Because like if shit gets yeah. real, I mean, you are y- y- I'm <laughs> you are what your experiences made you is is a sentiment that can be true. But when it comes into like. <laughs> I had a really bad, <laughs> I had a really bad childhood slash life. That's like, oh, maybe don't, maybe, maybe just don't offer that to someone, yeah. especially when they're talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. as a- I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a good person. Uh, as a result of it, I'm a good person in spite of it. Yeah. Right. And that was, this was, I think where he hit it home where it was, I realized that my biggest shortcoming is because of my father. And she said, I feel I'm so bad. I feel so bad for you for that. And then he said, but my fear is not true because I am not my father. I'm better than that. And she said, I am in awe of you. And then so much. It was very clear that like, oh, she's she's definitely the the one that he gave that gave him exactly what he was hoping for. Yep. Whether it's not healthy or not, it was definitely what he was looking for. Yeah, I mean, he, she, he has said, I don't want to be my father, right? And like, mm-hmm. she basically says, like, you're not your father. You Yeah, the exact father, words. Yep. Yeah. Your father mm-hmm. made you who you are. You know, like, you are not your father because your father wasn't there for, you know, it's like, I don't know. It just, ugh. Well, they were just validating each other. That's, that's all. It. That's all it was. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, okay. So, Rose Ceremony. Um In a shocking twist, he picks Michelle and Rachel and sends Brie home, which we have already pretty much talked about at this point. Um, I'm almost ready to hand it over for fantasy fantasy draft points. But first, I am kind of curious, like next week, he's going to pick one of these people. Like at this point, based on these dates, who like who do you who should he pick? And who do you think he will pick? I guess. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Those are good questions. I can go first if if people mm-hmm. need time to think about it. Um, I think we all know. I think we're all going to have the same answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I like I I think he should pick Michelle. I don't know if Matt should pick Michelle, but I hope someone does. Um, Matt doesn't deserve Michelle, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. So I don't think Matt's ready for Michelle. So in some ways, I think he should probably pick Rachel because. You know, that's about more where his intellectual and kind of, I think, his ability to be a partner in a relationship is at. Is he wants someone who's going to be fun and, you know, that he he likes a lot or something. I don't know that he's ready for what Michelle is is able to bring to the table. So in some ways, I think he should pick Rachel. But like, if it were me, like, I I think Michelle is, is the person. And I think there's a very strong probability that he will pick Rachel. So, Ben, do you remember that game we used to play where we would look at a couple and determine who quote unquote won. (laughs) Yes. So what this game is, is you, you, the person who is, um, (laughs) I don't know how to, how to, how to say this in a PC way, but the the person who wins is, um, getting the better end of the deal because the person they are with is just pure awesomeness. Yes. Yeah. This case traded up basically. Yes. He's yeah. Punching up in, in, in the sports world as well. Uh, yeah, he exactly what you said. He should be picking Michelle because he would win. Michelle would lose. Yeah. But again, to your point, I 100% agree. He's not like he's Michelle is too too good for him. He's he, he, he needs to pick Rachel. That's why he's picking Rachel, right? Like that. That's why that would yeah. end up happening. He, yeah. I think he realizes it or he's just he's just not at the level that she's at that um, that he's not at. And he knows that Michelle is at that level and he just can't get there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, the, the girl who's a little bit more um, inexperienced or younger is where he is right now. And that's, that's the move. Yeah. Yeah. I see. There's still a possibility that he's crying in the promos for the last episode because Michelle leaves when she realizes he needs to choose between her and Rachel. <laughs> I hope that is yeah. the case. I really do. And it's just, yeah, that is the biggest vote of no confidence you <laughs> could just, ever give. I thought he was going to get rid of Michelle because he needs to make a more obvious choice, like between younger women. Yeah. That yeah. aren't, I mean, it, this not since, um, Juan Pablo was trying to pick between Claire, who was like wanting to get married and have kids, and Nikki, who was like out of college. Yeah. Has it been like, wh- how are you pretending 
this is nothing is going to color what you were actually looking for more than this choice. And what have you done? And Claire, I mean, to her credit, she knew, you know, as soon as, yeah. as soon as he said no. And I think Michelle will also know. Uh, so I'm hoping for, for her sake that, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's smart enough to pick her. And again, I think she can do better that when he says, you know what? It's Rachel. I feel like that's something that Michelle can go home and be like, you okay. know, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that it's kind of funny that you have like, I think everybody, as you get older and you go through relationships or you come out of a long relationship and then you're trying to think, what do I need to do? Who, who am I? Where am I going? You make that decision where you're like, am I going to go down this road that is going to lead directly into uh, a relationship and a marriage and kids? Or am I going to want something a little bit more casual, a little bit more laid back and just go with the flow? And that kind of like worked its way into his final two in the decision. It's just weird to me that it's these two and not Brie, who has like way more similar life experience and just like, like she has a career, like she just seems much more on paper to be a match to where he is right now. Yeah. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, we'll, uh, I mean, you know, we say it all the time. We'll see. I would love to be surprised. I would love, I would love, love, love to be surprised. But um, I don't know. I just, it's, yeah, increasingly, it just feels like he's making more, he's trying so hard to get Rachel to kind of like be okay and make it to the end that it's hard for me to see him picking someone else. But Michelle makes it look easy. So maybe, you know, maybe he hasn't had to do that as much with her. But Andrew Dice, this is the final fantasy draft points before the finale. Brian has been eliminated with 139 points. Leaving Alex in the lead with 145 points. Yes. And one of the final two, and myself closing behind with 136. A sizable gap. But it will be interesting if they've set the precedent of Michelle and him kissing in every location that they (laughs) travel to. (laughs) And uh, the show apparently just skipping away from Rachel because no one wants to see that. Well, she'll get get a private concert, an airplane ride, (laughs) a hot air balloon. She'll hurt herself. They'll give her everything. They'll fly through fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, nine points separate. I will say it is likely Alex, but I won't give up hope because Michelle is definitely the Rocky of this story. So, hey, it's not over till it's over. Yeah, that does it for this week's episode. Let us know what you thought by following us on Twitter at Bachelor Pod. You can follow each of us individually. I am at Ben Kendrick, Mr. Andrew Dice. I am at Andrew B. Dice. By the way, Alex, your next point is double what Ben got. (laughs) And Mr. Brian Dice. Brian R. Dice. Alex is on the Instagram. Underscore Alexander the Smith. If you dig the friend, if you dig the... <laughs> uh, the man, these late, these late nights. If you dig the show, tell a friend to tune in, subscribe, review us on iTunes. You can follow Dice and I at ScreenRant.com, covering all kinds of movie and TV news, including The Bachelor. When we were preparing for the Gostroff, I actually pulled two news stories that Brian is going to talk about, and I pulled them straight off our site. So, like, we are, uh, we have you well covered, Bachelor Nation. Take it away, Brian. It's Gostroff time. Come and get it. Come and get it. The women tell all that happened last week. Apparently, Heather Martin was at the show. She was part of the taping and was completely edited out of the program. Other than two possible three shots showing her in her hair. She's tweeted out that she was there and made a joke about it. A little bit crazy they edited her out. Is this What does this say about her relationship? What does this say about... Yeah, the, the real question there, what, what does it say? Did anyone notice? <laughs> like, did any of us actually watching the show think like, hey, I guess they didn't bring Heather here? Yeah, I mean, I just assumed I it was such a nothing burger before, right? Like, she showed up and nothing happened so i just sort of assumed yeah. that they, like what would you even talk to her about um yeah i felt dumb that we didn't see this like yeah w- before we recorded because we like to generally kind of you know talk about everything that's happening we pay attention to twitter i don't know how i missed it but um yeah big big deal little deal no deal well i mean it's a i would say it's no deal like i would say it's no deal i, d- I don't think <laughs> she went out the way that she came into this season i feel like 
and a minivan. You might feel like it's a bigger deal based on something you were saying, but yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a big deal. I I think that that uh, I think that she's I think that her and Matt are spending some time together now. Um, we're in the goss trough, so the gossip. Yeah, I think that she I think that he's single, and I think that he's spending time with with Heather and ABC, and the show knows about it, and they have completely taken her out of everything, so it doesn't raise any questions. Only in doing so raises more. So I would say that if that was true, then yes, big deal. Otherwise, no deal. Um, and I didn't have enough time to do the research to figure out who else they've done this to, but they've actually blurred out with big black blobs over the person, the two people who were actually at the, it was a Mintel all. And for whatever reason, they didn't want them on there. So they cut out their voices, but there were a few cuts that had them in there, but they just like blacked them out with the background. So you couldn't really tell. So the show has done this before. Like Ben said, you know, she came in, her 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 time there was short-lived, so I would say no deal. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll... Uh, it would make a lot of sense, though, what you were saying, Brian, because, I mean, if they said, oh, you know, how did... So are you happy? Are you with, you know, did you get engaged? And, you know, she's sitting over there yeah. knowing, like, <laughs> and if they had asked her any questions, like if she was super giddy or she slipped up, I mean, it would have been... I guess a liability for sure. If that, if that is in fact how it all plays out, but well, just to um, like not introduce her at all. And in the shots where she's in the panel sitting right beside Kit, they don't show the whole panel. They only show close-ups, and you see like her knee. Like it's just weird to go through all of that to just like erase her from the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'll say this is if true. This is a huge deal. Because there has never been a more perfect match in Bachelor Nation than Heather Martin to Matt James, who are definitely the two people that live across the street from you and you and wave at you when you come home and you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then you just go inside. <laughs> and you wonder, what do they do? Like, what do they, do they have hobbies? Yeah. Do they watch TV or do they just like wake up with a smile on their face and then just come home from work and then just go back and like power down? Um, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is a very like Stepford, like Stepford kind of like, uh, you just hear from the back, the backyard, <laughs> 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 the minivan uh, in the front driveway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the second Gostroff story is bachelor in paradise, Canada to launch in 2021. Hey. Up north. So this could be the resort that we were hearing about talking about not that long ago. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. booked. Um, apparently, the, the the interesting part about the, the way this series is laid out is it's going to be returning bachelor um, Bachelorette alum from Canada and U.S., uh, possibly even abroad, but coming onto the show and having fans submit applications to come on to date those possible stars. Love it. Total disaster, but genius. Love (laughs) it. Yes. Big deal. Big deal, right? Yeah. I'll say, I'll say this is a big deal mainly because if it goes the way, okay, here's the thing for the show, infinitely worse for my enjoyment (laughs) of it, that, that for the things that I've enjoyed about this show in the past, total disaster, horrible for the like viability of the show. It's genius. That could be a game changer. As soon yeah. as you bring in Bachelor fans to meet the people that they're fans of, you, I feel like you cross a line that you can't come back from because that yeah. is just instant drama that will hopefully be good television. Plus, we've had people like Ashley and Claire and, and stuff where it's like you're basically cyber stalking some of these people anyway. So it's not that different. Yeah, I I would say it's a like no deal in that I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, big deal in that I am scared that they're going to do this because of the exact same reasons <laughs> you guys said, like the in the incestuous sort of nature of Bachelor Nation as it is like the people who have been on the show in terms of the cast and the universe is already kind of gross, like the way Bachelor in Paradise works, where you know, someone shows up and like Chris Harrison, the first thing he asked them is like, who are you looking forward to seeing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all about who they've been pining after and 
and who, sort of this superficial understanding and attraction that they have towards a person. Um, and now you throw in just random fans that are like already have some kind of idea about these people. Like that seems like MTV level. Yeah. These people are going to be like the heightened sort of <laughs> I, trashy is like, I don't want to say trashy in kind of a derogatory way, but, but kind of like trashy, like what is good to stop? Like the people who are part of the universe know the rules, right? So what's to stop a fan who has no prior experience in the universe to come stop from coming in and just being kind of, you know, overly aggressive in trying to get the person they want or something like that, or like, I feel like there's some unwritten rules that we all, when we watch the show, are kind of like, oh, that person's like going for it. And, you know, they're sort of betraying this friendship that they had developed on the show. Whereas if it's just a random person who just really wants to be with one specific person. Mm-hmm. But it seems that less interesting. Fun? Like that, like if if this means that this way of doing the show brings the drama and the craziness and the fun, maybe it equates to the normal the like old school way of dating on the show completely separate. Like maybe we have a bachelor and a bachelorette where it's just nice dating and no drama in it or less drama and all the crazy drama stuff happens on this. Brian is, I mean, I'll yeah. Like the, the pitch. Oh yeah. Yeah. The pitch that made it work. And I'll, I'll sell it to you as this Ben is the producer saying, look, the pools of men and women we have suck. <laughs> These people are all horrible. Yeah. Uh, if we need, if we have Dean come and we need someone who likes him, we are pulling up the dregs, the worst of the worst, the absolute garbage people who will, who are bad television, who have followings on Instagram, I guess, or who were best friends of someone who actually was on the bachelorette. That's Tia. I mean, I'm going for Tia that, like you're bad, you're bad TV. I don't want to watch you. If the thing is now that we need to get someone who is absolutely madly obsessed with person X, Colton, to come there, anybody they pick will be better than the options they have to choose from. Well, I'm gonna <laughs> say, so in that case, yeah, I'm gonna say big deal because I definitely want to watch it. Big deal because I love awkward TV with tons of train wrecks and. Big deal because they better do very intensive screening and background checks on (laughs) the fans who are coming on. But also, if you think about it, everyone who's on the show is like a, a fan at some point and on some level, right? So like, it's not like a totally new concept to the show, but in this capacity it is. And the dumpster fire that is Bachelor in Paradise is the perfect landing place for this garbage. <laughs> and they're going to pick from, if it's in Canada, you're going to maybe see more Canadian contestants. Your your point to Daniel. the new people we're seeing on every season are, are yeah yeah are the new people we, we are seeing on every season are new people that are fans of the show like these people who are applying it's not just random people who've never yeah. seen the show before. yeah but but I think that as somebody who's already dug into the pre screening process and looked at the questions that they ask <laughs> um, so they do ask who are the people who you would be there for. And are you ready for an engagement or marriage coming out of the show? So we're already off to the best star we can possibly be. Yeah. I Okay. Ben, mm. fe- feeling <laughs> of wanting this scale of one to 10. Oh, I mean, ooh, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think I like it as much as you I'm a, I'm a seven. Okay. Oh, okay. What <laughs> if Daniel hosts it? Oh, well, 10 out of 10. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're SABC. Let's make it work. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, as we conclude this installment of the Bachelor podcast, Accept These Bros, it's time for our in memoriam where we have to say goodbye to the Bachelor contestant that did not get a rose this week, Bree. I don't like to take myself to like a dark place, but I did when I saw you hit the ground. It freaked me out, you know? And when I saw you laying there, I wanted you to be okay. Mm-hmm. That was like really the first time I was like, what would life be like without Rachel? And I'm only going to say things that I mean and do things that I mean and feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to continue to show you how I feel about you. And 
point where I'm at with you is I'm falling in love with you.